This is Reset. I'm Michael Puente in for Sasha and Simons. A group of youth-led organizers in Chicago are putting pressure on state lawmakers to pass Senate Bill 828 that would restore voting rights to people in Illinois prisons. Under current law, that right is denied until you're released from custody. Joining us now for more for more is Federique DeRossier, Policy Associate at Chicago Vote. Federique, thank you for having thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Um, we're going to, let's see. There's a common misconception that if you've been convicted of a felony, you lose the right to vote. Uh, but that's not exactly true in Illinois, right? Can you break it down for us? Yes. So right now, currently, the Illinois Constitution uh, provides that if a person convicted of a felony or otherwise under sentence in a correctional institution or jail, so you lose the right to vote, um, which shall be restored not later than upon completion of sentence. Um, and so our team has done some research in conjunction with the Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights um, to look at this law and see that there is some wiggle room here. We have some language that says, which shall be restored not later than upon completion of his sentence. So that means that it can be restored earlier. And so that is what the language of Senate Bill 828 uh, would do. It would restore the right for people to vote while they are incarcerated. That's right. That's right. Also joining us in the conversation is Katrina Fitt, Communications and Digital Strategy Manager at Chicago Votes. Katrina, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you've been listening, how many people would be impacted by this effort, Katrina? Uh, this would impact roughly 28,000 people right now. Um, that is the current prison population in Illinois state prisons. All right. And Federique, what is the status right now of Senate Bill 828? Currently, it's being held on the House floor. During the veto session um, in October, the bill came to the House floor for a vote. Unfortunately, the bill received only 57 of the 60 required votes to get it off of the House floor. Um, So it's currently being held on postponement. Um, So that's kind of where we're at. We're just trying to affirm that we're going to have our 60 votes um, and then it'll be called to the House floor again to hopefully move to the Senate floor. Now, Katrina, we're strictly talking about prisons, not jails, right? Yeah, so that that is kind of a big uh, misunderstanding about uh, voting rights. So prisons and jails are different. People in jail, for the most part, are being held pre-trial. Um, So they are technically innocent until proven guilty, and they have the right to vote. And thanks to a 2019 law that Chicago Votes helped pass, um, people in jail have access to the ballot through absentee ballots, and then Cook County Jail is actually an official polling location. Um, So it's just current people who are in prison, so people who have been found guilty and are currently serving their sentence. All right. You know, some have questioned whether it would require a constitutional amendment to fully restore voting rights to incarcerated people. Federique, what does the Illinois Constitution say about that? Um, As I mentioned before, um, when we're talking about uh, our amendment, uh, our proposed amendment would change the language to uh, say that basically the right to vote shall be taken away, but it shall be restored 14 days after um, going to prison. Um, And so basically we did a lot of research 
um, in the sixth Illinois Constitutional Convention debate that happened in 1970, which was when the our Illinois current Illinois Constitution was adopted. Um, we have the, a delegate, Peter Tomei, stated explicitly that the not later than is intended as a final cutoff and does permit earlier restoration. So um, they also actually voted on an amendment that would take out the phrase not later than, um, but they decided not to do that um, in order to allow the legislature to the power to grant earlier restoration of voting rights prior to completion of sentence. Um, and so we believe that 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 signals to us that that is something that the legislature has the power to do. Um, we hope that they will do it. Katrina, what are you hearing from lawmakers on this issue? In general, I think there are a lot of lawmakers who are really interested and passionate about voting rights restoration. Um, In general, we see some harmful trends across the country restricting voting rights, and Illinois has always kind of been a leader in voting rights. So I think um, lawmakers in Illinois are much more open to this conversation than in some other states. Um, We also, because we've passed voting in jails, I think lawmakers have a little bit more confidence in our systems to facilitate um, elections in carceral institutions. And in general, all of the concerns about it have been, we've been able to address them by coming to the table with all of the stakeholders involved um, and really thinking through exactly all the logistics of everything. And Katrina, we know 2022 is an election year. Talk about the urgency here. It's an incredibly urgent issue. Um, This bill wouldn't go into effect um, in this election. It would uh, hold off until 2024. Um, But it's it's super timely. I mean, 55% of our Illinois prison population is black, despite black people only making up about 15% of the total state population. So we see that there's... It's, it's a racial injustice to disenfranchise people in prison when you're um, disproportionately disenfranchising people of color, people from disenfranchised, disinvested communities. Um, so the sooner we re-enfranchise people, the sooner we um, amplify voices of communities that, that have been waiting to be heard for a very long time. Well, this is Reset. I'm Michael Puente in for Sasha Ann Simons, and we're speaking with Katrina Fid and Federic de Rosier of the nonprofit Chicago Votes. They're hosting an, a virtual event tomorrow to support voting rights for people in Illinois prisons. Coming up in five minutes, we'll talk with Pastor Brooks about his plan to bring awareness towards crime on the South, South Side. Stay with us for that. Frederic, tell us more about Chicago Votes and the work that you do there. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for that question. Uh, Chicago Votes is an organization dedicated to putting the hands in the power of the people. Um, we specifically focus on young people, um, and we do. We have a lot of different initiatives, and I will actually pass it to Katrina uh, to share a little bit more about what those are. Yeah, so Chicago Votes is roughly 10 years old, and we were founded with the mission of breaking down barriers young people in Chicago face to engaging in democracy. Um, So that's one of the reasons why we're so passionate about reenfranchising people in prison is because young people are disproportionately represented in prisons as well. Um, But in addition to that, we um, run a number of different initiatives just to make sure that democracy and our democratic processes are engaging, accessible, and fun for young people in Chicago. Well, Katrina, how did you get involved in voting rights for incarcerated people? 
I got involved in this issue um, as a college student. I that's when I first learned about Chicago Votes in the work that they were doing. And at that time, it was in 2019 or 2018 when they were trying to restore or trying to pass um, Senate Bill 2090, making Cook County Jail an official polling location. Um, I had taken classes inside of Stateville Correctional Center through a program at DePaul and made friends and learned a lot about the prison system and all of the injustices and things going on in this country with our democracy and mass incarceration and everything. So that's kind of what got me involved in this work. Frederic, can you tell us more about this virtual event you're hosting tomorrow and what can people expect? Absolutely. We call them advocacy evenings, um, but basically we all join together, um, used to be in person, but now it is on Zoom, um, to make requests, um, talk everyone on the call will uh, reach out to their personal lawmaker um, and also share information, tweet, uh, post information about voting in prison just to build momentum. Um, and specifically, we usually have a target list of legislators that we haven't heard from that we uh, want to see what their position is, see if we can have a conversation with them. So typically we will yeah, all get together, make phone calls to the offices that we need to reach, send emails, tweet, get on Instagram, um, just basically make a lot of noise about this. Um, and we also, last week we had different uh, speakers come to talk about the intersection of their work, people who are formerly incarcerated, people who are directly impacted. Um, it's just a space to let folks know that we are doing this work, um, that we need help, uh, and to get uh, as much folks as excited um, and active in trying to pass these bills. So that's what we do every Tuesday night from 5.30 to 6.30. Um, and if you follow us at Chicago Votes on any social media platform, you'll find that registration link. I hope that folks can join us. Now, Katrina, you're partnering with advocates in Oregon, right? Yes, that's correct. So we actually have um, friends at an organization in Oregon called Next Up Oregon, um, and they are also advocating for a bill that would restore voting rights to their prison population. So we're working together to build momentum um, because hopefully if Illinois and Oregon do this, we'll see other states do it as well. Well, can you can you explain a little bit more? How did that all come together? You're partnering with Oregon. Yeah, so um, Chicago Votes is a part of a larger um, cohort of youth-led organizations throughout the country, um, and Next Up Oregon is our affiliate in Oregon. So they do a lot of a lot of the work we do in Chicago. They're doing over in Oregon. So that's how we knew them, um, and they're also passionate about making democracy as accessible as possible for all people. Um, so with that being said, people um, incarcerated in Oregon are also the last remaining group of people disenfranchised in Oregon. So they're trying to reenfranchise people in Oregon, just as we are in Illinois. However, in Oregon, it is a little different. They don't have anything in their constitution about disenfranchisement, so they don't really have to battle that rhetoric um, in their legislature. Frederick, can you, can you tell us how are other states approaching this issue? Well, we do know that uh, there are states in um, in the country that do allow voting in prison. And so those states are Maine and Vermont. Um, Chicago and Illinois in general looks a little bit different uh, because the Maine and Vermont are also um, states that have a primarily white population. Um, that is different than it is um, in Illinois. Like Katrina said earlier, there are a lot of states that um, 
are restricting voting rights. And so we hope that um, Illinois will take a step in the opposite direction. Um, currently, people incarcerated in Washington, D.C. are able to vote in federal elections. People incarcerated in Puerto Rico can vote. Um, and a number of states, um, like Oregon, are advocating for voting in prison. Uh, Illinois would be the first state with a predominantly black prison population to restore voting rights to people who are incarcerated. Um, and nine of the 11 Democratic members of Congress um, voted yes on an amendment that would end the disenfranchisement of people in prison. So we hope that uh, you know Illinois will be a trailblazer and be the first to do this. Katrina, can you walk us through your digital strategy here? Yeah, so a lot of our digital strategy, we actually were able to carry out these past couple of years to build momentum around the issue. Um, one, you have to educate people. A lot of people don't know the difference between jail and prison. So if they don't know the difference between jail and prison, they're not going to know the accurate um, information in terms of voting eligibility. So that's something we have to combat. We also have to humanize and, and educate people on who is in prison. Um, our prison population has exploded in the past decades. Women in prison are the fastest growing demographic. Um, 80% of women in prison are mothers. We have hundreds of veterans who are incarcerated who have fought for our democracy and, and now cannot vote. Um, so a lot of the digital strategy is on public education. And then after that, it's on making um, accessibility between constituents and lawmakers. So like Frederick said, we have our advocacy evenings where we're, we're reaching out to lawmakers. We're helping people find their lawmakers, find their lawmakers' Twitter and email and phone number. Um, so that's a huge thing. And then we're just trying to have very authentic conversations with lawmakers. Um, we're trying to address any opposition head on. Um, and overall, our digital strategy is just to raise awareness and create accessibility between constituents and their lawmakers. Great, great. We only got a we got a less than a minute left. So, but before before I let you go, what do you want people listening at home to understand about the importance of restoring voting rights to those behind bars? Katrina. Yeah, um, most people in prison will return to their communities. Um, about ninety five percent of people in prison will be released. Um, and we know civic engagement and really protecting ties people have to their communities is one of the best ways to reduce recidivism, um, ensure the process of reentry goes a little smoother, and, and give people a voice so they feel connected to their communities. So I think when we, when we have these conversations, people really need to think about what is the overall purpose of prison and what is the purpose of disenfranchisement and are they making us safer and better as a society? And I think people will find that the answer is no. So we really need to ensure that we are protecting people's access to voting and, and really listening to people who have, who have been directly impacted by mass incarceration, um, divestment and disenfranchisement. Frederick, you got about 20 seconds. What do you want people to know? Um, basically the same thing that Katrina said, but also just sharing that a lot of people who are in IDOC don't have a voice. They're facing terrible conditions, um, and IDOC has been found to operate in, in, a, in an unconstitutional manner various times, and there's, there's, they have no leverage to push back on issues they care about and the things that they're going through. 
Um, and we know that this exclusion is especially um, acute for, for black and low-income people who are swept up into the criminal justice system. Um, and I think that our government and our society um, owes them a little bit more, and at least just a voice in our democratic processes. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. That's Katrina Fid and Federique DeRosier of the nonprofit Chicago Votes. Katrina and Federique, thanks to both of you.